I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. We have 155 days until the 31st of October when we're set to leave the EU. We are zero or no days away from the WAV being introduced because it's not happening anymore. We have nine days until the 7th of June, which is Theresa May's last day at number 10. We are 365 days away from my sister's wedding and I need Martin Daubney to take me to the wedding. So if you're listening, Martin, call me. Um, So a few things to keep uh, set phone reminders for there. Uh, this week we're joined by Express.co.uk's Thomas Hunt. Hello. Hello, hello. Here in our studio and on the phone is our Brussels correspondent, Joe Barnes. Hello. Excellent. Okay, so much to be getting on with. Let's begin. Uh, so it was a very big bank holiday, wasn't it? Everyone was up late on Sunday and early on Monday uh, tracking the results um, as the Tories suffered their biggest electoral defeat in 200 years. Um is this the end of two-party politics? Have we smashed up the establishment and introduced two, I don't know, and introduced a whole new way of working? I don't know. Thomas, what do you think? Summarise what happened. Um, if they don't buck their ideas up, then yes. We've we've possibly, for all the predictions of the results, you can we've seen people claim victories here, there and everywhere. Yes. Everyone is claiming that this was a victory of something. But yeah. the very the baseline being the Brexit party was the most successful party. 33% uh, of the vote, right? 33, 33. 20, 29 seats. 29 seats, including several former luminaries of this podcast. Including, uh, yes, fact, all of Lance them. Foreman, Lance Richard Foreman, Tice, Richard Tice, and June, and June Mummery. Mummery. So, uh, so yeah. Well done to them. I, this is a star maker, this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> um, so that's great news. Um, quite a, Yeah, quite a few hostile faces now going over to Belgium. Yes, well... Farage said yesterday that he was not, uh, he didn't get a very good reception upon arrival. A lot of people asking him why he's still there. Why are um, he still there? They, so the Brexit party secured more votes than any other party, didn't they? Yes. Which is more seats rather. They did. And in, in question to your two-party politics yeah. bit, the, if it was a first-past-the-post election, as yes. our general elections are, uh, the Tories wouldn't have won a, a seat. Wouldn't have won a seat? No. Oh my God. So I think that tells you all you need to know about how that turned out. Um, the weird, in terms of people guessing for Brexit or Remain or what it actually means, the people have been very keen to group together various parties yeah. and claim that actually the vote was um, in favour of Remain over Brexit. Because it kind of was though, wasn't it? Well, no. So I, I <laughs> <laughs> No, not... Well, what, no? So the Greens, SNP... Uh, Plaid Cymru, Change UK, Lib Dems. Who are all rema- who are the Remain Alliance, yeah. the Rainbow so Remain Alliance. Add the five together, you get 40.4%. Yeah. Um, and if you compare that with Brexit Party and UKIP on 34.9%, you could say... It, is, oh, it was overwhelming in the Remain is... camp. But I I <laughs> would say you have to add the Tory percentage but where? to that. But to this, the is, this is the problem. But... Because they are... They they have they very clearly wanted a Brexit. They, that has been Theresa May's thing all along. Mm. Um, well, we can argue all sorts of things about how yeah, successful that was, a, yeah. but that would bring the the Brexit vote to forty four percent if you added the Tory total on. So mm. actually, you'd be forty four. But then, 40, what would you do then, with the Labour vote? 
Well, that's it. You, I think you have to ignore yeah, the Labour vote well, you completely. You can't ignore the Labour vote, can you? Because you could put you could put Labour in either category. Well, it, but you could also put some Tories in either category, couldn't you? Well, exactly. Which is why you probably have to largely ignore both. Both, and then, and then a, you a can, slight inching towards but, Remain, but yeah. But I think if you if you purely go on seats. At the end of the day, I don't think anyone can claim that the Brexit Party didn't win. It was an astounding and evening. 29 seats. The next nearest were the Lib Dems on 16. Who are back with a vengeance. What an incredible kind of final election for Vince Cable to preside over. It, well, he might he might have a U-turn of his own. I think he should stick Merkel around. Style yeah. and, uh, <laughs> he's I not don't retiring. trust anyone to take it over. Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah, they won seats the first time that they've ever won any seats in London. It, I think... 20.9% of the vote for those stats. I think stat all... Watchers. <laughs> all over, there's... There's, I mean, if if you just look at uh, Labour in Wales, so the Welsh mm. Labour Party, they um, they're a party that has won every Wales poll except one for a century, and Good they grief. didn't win a a seat in in so Wales. So, clear, so clearly, the two main parties were punished for kind of not being yes clear and having a clear direction on Brexit, and having a Brexit policy. And I think we've seen the. I've, we've seen what the backlash to that now because Corbyn, as of the, the pay, yeah, on a couple of papers this morning, is coming out as saying, "Oh, maybe I, maybe I." Well, do our bedfellow, the a... the Mirror, have splashed yeah, still, haven't they? So yeah, when we were inching so, towards the second I mean, draft, a lot of people will turn around and say that could be useful ten days ago. Yeah, but it again. I think as we've seen with both parties, both Theresa May and Corbyn have about as much political nous regarding mm. moving and predicting what's coming as. Anyone and Anyone. they have just ended up, yeah, They're unable to react really and reacting far too late. Yeah. So there they needs to be the Brexit Party are obviously riding a bit of a high at the mm. moment, and they've all very defiantly said they're happy to fight a general election if and when it comes. If and when it comes, and on current, yeah, why yeah. wouldn't they? And <laughs> then and then the what color are the Brexit Party? They that mint green. They're in a, a sort oh, of light, lightish blue. Oh, a lightish blue. Oh, okay, a turquoise colour. So, yeah, we could be a... <laughs> this country could be turned turquoise. Um, yeah, so it was a disaster A disaster for Labour. I shouldn't go without mentioning 14.6% of the vote. Yep. Total disaster. Um, Joe, how was all this received in Europe? So, in terms of the Brexit party coming over and being more about the single biggest delegation alongside... Um, Angela Merkel's uh, CDU MEPs who are coming over from Germany. Um, but it's been a really agnostic view. Sorry to be quite dull. So I asked the Parliament's President, Antonio Tajani, this yesterday at a press conference and said, look, you've got hordes of Brexiteers coming over. And he just simply went, I respect anyone who has been elected. So in the grand scheme of things, the Brexit party vote is not an issue for Brussels. It's an issue for London and for Westminster, for Theresa May. Um, MEPs can't really do anything. They haven't got a genuine influence like the heads of state and heads of government who kind of congregate around Brussels every so often for a European Council summit. So Nigel Farage's protest vote with the Brexit Party is purely an absolute kind of show of disdain for the general politics in London rather than politics here. So it's very much nothing is going to happen in terms of the Brexit party here. They're a big influencer. They're, they're boasting of having the most seats, but no one is that concerned about what they're going to do. Um, I think the biggest story is though, and it's a 
a similar picture to what has been painted in Britain is the two biggest parties in Europe, the Social Socialists and Democrats and the European People's Party, which is John Gore Juncker's party, have seen their overall majority of the parliament, if you team them up together, fall below the majority needed to have their vice-like grip over the European Union. They've fallen below that majority number for the first time in 40 years. So it's a, a wider picture of basically people are voting, whether it's for Eurosceptic, for like climate activists, for liberal, like liberal centre-ground politics, for the first time ever, and basically shedding the kind of the two traditional centre-left and centre-right. So it's, it's a vote against what is the stagnant politics of Europe. Joe, when so you, earlier we you were discussing about the Italy um, wanting more of a say in the top jobs. Is there could there be any yes. link? Could could Farage now with the sway join up with some of these groups and then seek to try and change policy or put someone in that's a little more favourable? Well, so so there is that concept that so Nigel Farage basically said yesterday and the Brexit Party have said they don't want to really have any part in the selection process. It's not their not their job. They're, they're being quite honourable in terms of kind of European opinion. But Matteo Salvini, who secured a massive percentage of the vote, nearly kind of, it was over 30% in Italy with his, with his lead party, and they joined what was formerly the, the Europe of, uh, of nation, of free nations, the ENF, um, as the part of the Eurosceptic bloc. They are generally concerned that they should be having a bigger say and they should be considered alongside the European People's Party, the Liberals and the Socialists and Democrats in selecting the the, uh, the next president of the Commission, the Council and the top jobs of the Parliament for the committee bosses, the president there. But people have shown last night, they showed concern and one person described it to me as they're basically treating Italy as a second-class citizen when it comes to European influence. So there's going to be concern, but this is this is um, the debate that's going to arise. It's going to be messy. We're talking, I think we're looking at Jean-Claude Juncker's commission being extended, uh, maybe to sometime next year, so they can actually have the a proper debate surrounding who takes over from him. So it's, it's, it's a really fascinating time at the moment. Sounds like this was his plot all along, Joe. Mm. Nothing wrong um, with an extension well, either. No, they're all, uh, <laughs> Merkel turning. Yeah, well, they're, they're They've they've had uh, we've had we've had yeah extension plots which to keep Britain in to from from London and Europe and uh, we've had plots to keep Britain out but now maybe the plot is to keep John Claude Juncker in a job for longer which I'm sure he'll love um, <laughs> he, he loves the Brussels he loves the Brussels life and uh, I think I like the sound of the Brussels life <laughs> did you see the Sunday Times had a great like report over the weekend on Sunday surprisingly that of all the um, MEPs voted in from the UK over the weekend, they would have spent £45,000 in expenses by the time we leave. Forty five grand on expenses alone. Yes, so so it's, it's, it's a good time to be an MEP. It was, wasn't and it? What I, were you all thinking? I, I, have some, I, have, I have some kind of European journalists over here have come to me and, and said, oh, why, why, why do the Brexit party want to claim all this money? So there, there is a, a genuine intrigue around the money. But what I, 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 actually, I actually did a, a quite hefty analysis and, and investigation into what Britain's departing MEPs will get. And there are, there, there are 30, 34 British MEPs, yeah. and they all get something called a transitional allowance, which is they're basically, it's like job seekers allowance for an MEP, but <laughs> it's massively hefty. So if you've served a one-year term as an MEP, you are 
handed £45,000 by taxpayers across the European Union to find, basically to sustain yourself while you're finding another job. And this amount grows, as you heard, a month for every year you serve in Parliament. So there is Charles Tannock, who... Remind, for, for, the, for, the listeners, for the listeners at home, we don't, you aren't familiar with Charles Tannock, Joe. Who's that? So he's a, he's a Conservative MEP, but he is renowned for being one of the staunchest Remainers in the Conservative Party. And so his colleagues in Parliament, who are so from the Liberal Democrats and from the Remains and the Conservatives and Labour, have all praised him for doing the most in the European Parliament to stop Brexit. And he is walking away after 20 years of service in the European Parliament with a £150,000 payoff from the taxpayer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, so, we're all so shocked that a tile has fallen... As you just delivered that landmark sum, like massive number, a tile has fallen off the wall in the studio, nearly crushing wow, producer Packwood and that's Thomas that's in the process. So, yeah, I think we're all shocked and actually breaking, appalled. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, literally breaking news. I think we're all shocked and appalled by that number, aren't we? <laughs> Joe, do you know if that stands for the staff as well? The year, the, the increase... Uh, no, so no, so the staff don't get the same packages. So obviously, I spend a lot of time kind of mooching around the parliament and speaking to staff, and they're all very much. Concerned. Did you say leeching or mooching? Mooching. Oh, <laughs> I think both apply. I would never be accused of leeching off anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the Europe, I'm not an MEP, and I'm not leeching for the European taxpayer. Um, no, but on, on a serious note, their staffers are basically paid up until July the 1st and then if their MEPs are not re-elected and they're not reassigned to another MEP they're, they're thrown they're thrown they're kind of thrown to the walls of the job market they could always host a podcast <laughs> anyone can do that these days very it's very much preferential treatment for the MEPs and the European taxpayers face a 2.3 million pound bill to, to basically give a golden handshake to the 34 British MEPs who won't be returning to Brussels next time round. Well, we do really value the work that they do, the MEPs, so I think, I think we'd all agree that's money well spent. Um, OK, so no one in Europe seems to care much about the influx of uh, Brexit Party MEPs. Is that what you're saying, in summary? Yeah, as, 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 a, as a Brexit... So I, I think we said it a few weeks ago that UKIP were kind of a noisy protest vote, but they, they, they're, so, they're entirely predictable to a European audience. They vote, every, they vote against everything. They're noisy, but they're... A lot of them have been accused of not turning up to committee sessions where the real kind of work is done in the parliament on kind of altering the commission's directives and law legal proposals. So the, I think we've got to focus on the Brexit party as a completely anti-Corbyn and anti-Theresa May vote and literally let them do their work domestically ahead of a general election, ahead of a second referendum, ahead of a potential Brexit renegotiation, which John Claude Juncker said wouldn't happen yesterday. Okay. Um, and so I know this is a really annoying question that I'm going to ask, and you've known I was going to ask it for 24 hours. Taking the results in the European election, how, what could we infer would happen in a general election? Would this be total wipe up the Tories? Do you think actually, although everyone kind of had a nice protest last week and voted Lib Dem, like Alistair Campbell, or uh, <laughs> for the, the Brexit party, like the good people of Worcester, for example, Jodes, um, do you think actually we all just revert to type and go back to our tribal Tories and Labour when it comes to the big GE? Um, Thomas, I'm looking at you. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I think... I think there will there will always be the, the the really really safe seats. There'll always be people who are loyally just going to vote Tory or Labour. But I do think if they if they don't buck their ideas up and change 
drastically their proposals. Brexit like, policies, specifically. On both sides, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, people are just going to continue. We're just going to continue having the Brexit party. I mean, imagine the rallies before a general election. They'd they had, love it. They would <laughs> they had, love it. They had three weeks the dairy worth products. of... Well, it, it, well, yes. And I think they... It will just... Farage would see it finally as the chance to get yeah. to get his seat in Westminster that he's wanted all along. Um, and I think the Peterborough by-election will be a good barometer for yes, that. Yes, I know you're very keen to we talk will, about that as well, we'll which go, we'll do towards the end of the programme. <laughs> But it's it will be it, it it'll be the chance, and I think a lot of the parties we'll have to see what the Lib Dems do. The Lib Dems have yeah. just literally managed to sit and do nothing other than no. They came up with a very catchy <laughs> B word to Brexit ca- uh, logo slogan, didn't they? They they have Campaign managed tirelessly. They have just in the perfect way have managed to not say a single thing and. Well, yeah. votes from others well they are the they are the de facto party but, of remain aren't they until the labor party tell us otherwise and i think that could be the interesting yeah. bit we would if, if labor and the tories go properly for pretty much the extremes of brexit yeah. then the general election becomes a, a pretty much a sort of left right and yeah. middle as an old-fashioned politics old-fashioned politics but if they don't but and we carry don't. on this fence sitting then I think we will see, and we'll see more. I think we would, in, as it approached the general election, we'd see more um, sort of moving from parties. I think you'd see the sort of Bridgens and uh, Mark Francois of the world. What would happen to them? Moving across <laughs> to the Brexit party. Oh, a bit oh like, more, div- a what bit do you like, call them, defections? Yeah. Do you call them that? A bit like, yeah, a, yeah. a bit like Mark Reckless and Douglas Carswell yeah, before with you crossing UKIP, the aisle. I think, yeah, I think as it got closer to, general election if, if things do you think you could, could you conceive of a world where kind of labor leavers would leave to join the brexit party i always say because she's anyone i can actually ever think of caroline flint like if she's sitting in a remain a leave constituency and labor come out and and the policy is second ref i could i could see someone like can... kate hoey because oh well, she bloody loves out, them doesn't she force her out as, as it is did but... she say she voted for the brexit party or did she just talk about how much she loves them she meant she didn't explicitly say because uh, they were they were that, searching yeah. through to see if they could said finally it. Oh, fine. remove her. She's but clever. Yeah, she Wiley. didn't explicitly say it on <laughs> no, national I'm sure, radio. I'm sure she put a cross next to next to the the, the rose. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure lots did yeah. on both sides. But yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think it's it really is as simple as that. But I think we need to they, wait and see what the policies they, are. Do you do you, so what? You kind of alluded to it. Are we just moving towards the Conservatives become a party of like renegotiate, if nothing, no deal, we're out on October 31st and then Labour have to become a confirmatory vote party? Is that actually you think where we've forced everyone? The, the, the Labour will have, they'll try and analyse where they lost certain votes um, and they will to the Brexit party mm-hmm. and they'll try again to probably fudge something between the two to say but but they lost as many votes they would have lost as many votes probably to the Lib Dems as they would have like yeah. they're kind of being eaten away at both, both ends yeah, aren't they exactly and like the like the spaghetti in uh, Lady and the Tramp <laughs> remember that, that lovely image <laughs> um, and I think they will they will just have to choose a choose. side oh, which good grief. will be interesting more binary than, we've, now, than we are yeah, currently uh, Joe what do you think it's polite to ask you um, so, well, I think Theresa May was quite loud and clear when she gave. Um, she said so she turned up at the European Union summit yesterday in the in Brussels, and she gave her traditional kind of entrance doorstep interview. And and she said the election results were deeply disappointing for the Conservative Party. They're obviously a bad set of results. We lost some very good MEPs, and we saw some 
candidates not gaining their seats, and she said the same of Labour. And she said specifically, it's, it shows the actual importance of delivering Brexit. And it basically it's turned it was well, polarised British politics into a kind of a leave and a remain argument that the the two traditional parties are completely lost. You had so you had talk of a second referendum, then you had Lisa Nandy, who's an M, a Labour MP in Wigan, which is a massive Brexit uh, constituency. It saw Brexit Party winning winning the city or town, and they, she was like, "We can't do this. We have to deliver Brexit." And the the Labour Party are going to lose, and will continue losing significant kind of seats in the northwest and where people are disenfranchised with this idea of Remain, and but then equally. The, the membership, which is considered the metropolitan elite in London, in Manchester, in Liverpool, who want to remain in the European Union, are going to say the same thing, and they're moving to Liberal Democrats. We saw, well, the chief of the metropolitan elite, Alistair Campbell, um, was obviously <laughs> He'd love that. sacked from the sacked from the Labour Party for remitting he voted Lib Dem. So, <laughs> which is it's, it's incredible. So, it's what it is. We're seeing a, a, a real breakup of of the traditional parties, and they're moving to parties who have a clear vision for what they want. So Tom was speaking earlier about the share of the vote and saying the Brexit party who literally only stood for Brexit were on about 34%. And then the SNP, um, the Liberal Democrats, Change UK, the Green Party, who all stood on a, stood on a, manifesto, uh, a manifesto sorry, of stopping Brexit and having a second referendum. And they, 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 they picked up a similar amount of votes, about 40%, I think. So it's... It's basically the elections have told us the country is as polarised as ever, and it's going to take someone who can give us like strong and stable leadership to just actually go. Look, this is what we're doing. We're going strong to and stable. Did you like that phrase? We're going to the European Union. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, so we remain as divided as ever. That's what we needed. Glad. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, there's some there's some quite sexy stuff happening in Europe, though, isn't there? You're about to get. Well, we might not because you've suggested that there's a uh, a plot at hand to keep Juncker in his position for even longer. But we might get a, a new. What's the role, President of the EU Commission or EU Commissioner? I should definitely know. So, that. What's it? The both? European Commission president, which is John oh, Paul Juncker currently, <laughs> so yes, he yes, steps yes. down in October and he basically runs and is the, the kind of the political figure at the centre of the European Union's kind of civil service, their executive arm, who propose legislation, who they they call themselves, and I'm putting like the little bunny ears up, the guardians of the what? European Union. Say that Union about rabbits again? You're, I, what? I, I'm putting like bunny ears, like inverted commas up. Oh, bunny ears, right. Inverted commas, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe it was so, the Animal Welfare Party. But, uh, effectively, John claude Juncker now, um, one Manuel Barroso before him, and whoever is John claude Juncker's successor, is the most powerful person in the European Union, the European Union's top official. And John Claude Juncker steps down in October, apparently. So we've got some runners and riders who are vying to replace him. So we've got Manfred Weber, is the obvious favourite, and people like Angela Merkel, um, who is from her party in, in Bavaria, um, is backing her. But then Emmanuel Macron doesn't want Manfred Weber. Yeah, so we've German kind of MEP. so we've seen it's like a bit of a Merkel v Macron moment, isn't it? So he's he he's backing his backing the lovely Michel Barnier, his fellow countryman, is that right? And Merkel's obviously backing her boy Weber. Is that kind of a quick summary? 
yeah, that, a quick summary to, to about to send us down another animal themes concept or rabbit hole. There's going to be this interesting argument of should the establishment figure who has been touted from the beginning. And I mean, aren't they both establishment? By, aren't they both establishment figures though? Um, well, very much so. They're, so Man- Manfred Weber is the establishment figure, definitely, who is the EPP Spitzen candidate, which basically is essentially the Parliament's choice of the biggest party to become the Commission president. Michel Barney is very much the establishment. He's male, pale and sterile. He's, he's nearly 70 years old. He's been in the Europe, working for the European Union for nearly 20 years, probably over 20 years, to actually add up all of his time. Um, so we, we've got this interesting concept, and it's going to be a battle amongst leaders to see who's kind of favoured candidate is selected. And so Donald Tusk, the European Council president, he's the chairman of the European Union's 28 country leaders. He said that we need at least two women in the top jobs um, across the European Union. So it's, it's an interesting battle. Um, but what I'm going to say is the candidates we see now on the list, Manfred Weber, Franz Timmermans, he's a, a Dutch Socialist and Democrats candidate. He's um, the Social and Democrats choice for the top job. He's a uh, a former Dutch foreign minister. Um, he's currently Juncker's first vice president. He's touted. Um, Margaret Vestager, who is the European Union's com- competition commissioner. She's the Liberals' choice. She's known, she's known for wearing sporty trainers uh, to her press conferences after... Well, footwear in female Nike leaders is actually very important, as we'll soon discuss when we do Theresa May's legacy. That was the bit I was going to do, her shoes. Um, yeah. This is so the interesting point that I'm making that none of the names that we see now on kind of the screens and the ideas, realistically, me, you, and Thomas have more chance of becoming commission president than these people. Is that true? Really? I, I'm looking for a well, move. <laughs> with, uh, with, if, you, if you want to become even more powerful than a podcast host, then you the commission that. president is probably the role for you. <laughs> I could wear sporty um, trainers. <laughs> But, but on, 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 a, on, a, on a slightly more serious note, um, so the next commission president will be overseeing, possibly, we don't know yet, because as, as I suggested earlier, the Juncker commission may be extended to allow negotiations on the next commission president to settle down, but that also covers potential Brexit extensions. Well, that's it. You've, yeah. just, said uh, the, you've just said the magic word. These, this is going to be an important person. Do you, do you have a dark horse candidate, Joe? Yeah. If you had to choose one. So I, I have been kind of looking at someone from the European Council, so the current leadership team of the European Union. So um, Leo Radcar, the Irish Taoiseach and well, Prime Minister in Ireland, is, I think, a fairly good outside bet. He's, he's unstable what? domestically at home, wow. but he's shown an incredible, an incredible kind of... The Irish backstop was a plot but, all along to take over the EU well, from Maybe, maybe that's what we can say. That, and but that's one of the serious reasons he's won a lot of European fans because of the way that he stood alongside the European Union while Ireland were involved in the toughest negotiation the, the bloc has faced in in excellent well, What about his day years. job though? The, he would have to step down. He would have to step down oh, as uh, leader in Ireland to become oh, president. Can't you can do both. Can he take his dogs with him? I assume actually passporting pets is very easy within the EU, isn't it? Yeah, and he's, he's so he's an he, he he's MEPs and he sits in the EPP, which is John called Juncker's party. But then there's another interesting idea that Charles Michel, the Belgian Prime Minister, so he's a he's a Liberal candidate again from the council. He's from a small country. He's he's had a kind of a good is reception, but he's. He, 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, well, no, you're, you're right here. You're right here, Tom. One of the arguments is people don't want Emmanuel Macron to be selecting the commission president. They don't want Angela Merkel to be selecting the commission president because they don't want to see the country, the traditional powerhouses of the European Union to have too much power. So it's a, it's a really key argument. That's why Jean-Claude Juncker was from Luxembourg. Barroso before him was Portuguese. This is... They want someone who can be deemed as Martin Selma, the Secretary General and the most senior civil servant in the East Puppet. Where's he from? He's from Germany. Oh, he's from. Oh, so he's, yeah. oh, you're using him as an example. So they, he's from they, a big country. So they already the have. They, 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 yeah, they, they already have someone who's pulling the strings of access so oh, so every document the European Commission puts out, and so and so. So Germany doesn't need a job. Germany. Tony Blair would be very jealous if Varadka becomes. Uh, <laughs> Can Gets Tony Blair not job. do it? It would be a little. It's, it's a little too provocative, isn't it? I won't put any money on Tony Blair doing it. No, we, well, we, we, we were laughing with the, the British delegation of officials that come over from Downing Street and so and so and go. Did Theresa May put herself forward because we could still be in and she needs a new job? They were very quick to put that fire out. <laughs> oh, good grief! Um, okay, so this, so this, we should be paying a bit more attention to this over here than maybe we currently are because this is going to be this is an important uh, important appointment, isn't it, Thomas? It is. Yes. It is. <laughs> One of which <laughs> who we, we may have nothing, nothing, nothing to do with. Nothing to do with. But if it happens before October, we get to we get surely we get to vote. Or do you think will we will we just decline to vote? We should decline to. Well, no. Vote, so, we? so it's not it's not it's not done on a vote. It's it's done oh. basically. They, they will go around. On. They will go around the table of of leaders and say, "Oh, do we, do we get the nods?" And someone will say, "No." So it's a. It's not a technical veto in the sense, but it acts as a veto. It's a very strange process. But, um, so just men yeah, in so a circle we, nodding round a table. Yes, yeah. essentially that and that that is what the EU is comprised of. It's it's, it's men nodding round a table. Mm. They might finally appoint a female leader in a senior job. Yeah. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe they won't because we we had this we had this debate in 2014 saying that a top job should go to a a female candidate, and it didn't happen. So I wouldn't really be surprised if it's the same case this year. Yeah, come on. It's 2019. Exactly. Uh, okay, right. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. Thanks for that comprehensive update, Joe. Actually, it was great. Um, so we're now going to talk about the legacy of Theresa May because obviously on Friday she gave a very teary speech outside Number 10 Downing Street as... Um, she admitted that she wasn't able to serve, that it had been an honour to serve the country that she loved, but she hadn't been able to deliver Brexit. So off she went. Um, what do we think <laughs> of the last, how long has it been? Three years? Yes. Three well, years. Well, she has, she's officially just, she beaten? just overtaken Gordon Brown. Oh, well done. Bye. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a victory, isn't it? Um, she, I, that whole speech, the bit that I found, people were saying, oh, how sad it was that, tears at the end mm. the sad bit was the desperate attempt to try and build some sort of a legacy from the last she yeah. was reaching at anything you could and the stuff that she has since people have turned around and said hang on i'm not sure you can quite claim she made a comparison to um jew it, jews escaping oh, concentrate yeah. i mean yeah. and the, and one of the <laughs> Children yeah, it was kind of, of like blinking. Has... It was like stop listening, and then you zone back in, and she's talking about the Nazis. I mean, it did. It, and you can't. <laughs> it was only seven minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, she she tried, and I think that actually speaks volumes for the issue for the last few. Months. She has been desperate to stay because she has realised that nothing has been achieved. Yeah. She she desperately wanted this deal to get over the line because that would be her 
thing that she'd be able to say, oh, this is what. But, uh, I mean, I have no idea how historians are going to look back on Theresa May other than to say it was just a a static, nothing Nothing happened happened. for three years. A bit like when Lady Jane Grey was the queen for nine days (laughs) during the the Tudor court, sort of. Yeah, just everything stayed the same. (laughs) Isn't it very similar, actually? The interesting bit will be to see whether there's lots around whether, because obviously Cameron... Blair and the others turned around and just quit completely and left politics. Yeah. Um, And it'll be interesting to see whether she just decides to stick it out, try and keep quiet for a few years and then pop up maybe as an Yvette Cooper type on a committee and try to shape up up some sort of a legacy legacy that way as a reform. I mean, she'll probably end up on some education thing pushing grammar schools yeah grammar schools Um, great yeah i hope history judges her badly because i think she took on a job that she wasn't wasn't kind of didn't have the skill set to do imagine like hosting hosting a podcast about politics uh imagine uh and you know windrush hostile environment grenfell i mean there's just a kind of you know child refugees i mean we she i don't think she's covered herself in glory Um, she nick clegg said that when they were in the coalition and she was home secretary that she used to, obviously it was about compromise and mm. Nick Clegg said the Lib Dems compromised on a lot when they were there and he felt some of the Tories did. Uh, and he said a discussion with her just consisted of coming up with a suggestion and her saying no and mm. then coming up with another suggestion and her being happy to exit the meeting having with nothing being agreed and just walking off. And he said he felt that she felt she had won that argument because she had just remained obstinate and right. refused to move mm. which actually probably could have been used as, well, <laughs> as an example of what, what the pro- well that's no I think part of her problem was just continually saying mm. the same thing saying no um and being terrible with the media being terrible with the media because- a terrible dancer this is an interesting concept because it's, it's it, it strikes me as a, a level of resilience she's got and we've seen that she's she's bought her busted and flushed deal back to on free time. What I've got envisioned for Theresa May is she's not going, she doesn't have any like kin to land. She's not a, a man of the world kind of like David Cameron and Tony Blair who want to gallivant around giving kind of foreign policy speeches and so and so. She likes walking holidays in Wales and the Conservative Party. So I, I generally see her taking to the back benches and giving some really kind of stinging speeches, similar to when she blamed MPs for not delivering Brexit. If I was the next Conservative leader, I would be genuinely terrified if she doesn't offer to step down because it's going to be she will she will find a way to deliver a legacy, and it, it might not be as Prime Minister, but it will be as a senior Conservative figure who kind of is a mover and shaker. I think the next Tory leader won't be too worried because I think she would get laughed out of there if she stuck was standing up and trying to be serious in the next year or two. And especially if shit was about Brexit. Well, it's, 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 all, it's all down. But maybe, maybe she really wants to join in the Brexit debate. Because she's, I don't believe her as a real Brexiteer. And she was always quite fondly remembered in, in Europe uh, as a home, home office secretary. So, But I, I genuinely feel that she wants to deliver something similar to her, her nasty party speech when she was Conservative chair lady. She wants to deliver a genuine kind of defining moment as a senior figure. And she hasn't done that as Prime Minister, so she's going to have to do that again from the backbenches. Or she could just That's go on strictly. Um, okay, well, talking of the next leader, it's hotting up. We've got 12 candidates, haven't we? 
11. 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. I keep thinking Preeti Patel declared be, and she hasn't. There will be another She's one coming, this week, though. apparently. Preeti Patel yeah. is coming. Did you, she was in the Telegraph this weekend. She's coming. Um, Liz Truss has dropped out, as has Amber Rudd. It's a shame to lose those ladies. Um, who, who's, exciting, who's exciting you in the roster of uh, potentials? I know who it is, but the... we'll play the game. <laughs> <laughs> well... The, the one that's been making headlines over the last few days is Rory Stewart. He's gone viral, Thomas. he <laughs> has come up with a very different policy for his, <laughs> where, he seems, where he's making it look like it's just him alone <laughs> wandering around the country offering people to come and debate. So yesterday, where were we? Uh, yesterday he was in Kew Gardens. And where is he today? Uh, is it Wigan? I think he has gone to Wigan. Yeah, he, no, keep it diverse, divergent. He has, yeah, he, I think he's trying to... Chop and change. He was at Borough Market on Sunday. Yeah. Monday, and he's, yeah, very, but the, there are videos of him speaking Afghan dialects to people yeah. on the streets. No, you're in love with him. He, well, yeah. To read off his, his, he's got a, an impressive credentials list. Well, his CV that he has actually admitted, well, he admitted a few years ago does make him sound a little bit like a spy, which is a nice, <laughs> I mean, he could, could have Boys a prime minister, spy. used to be a spy. But, yeah, his CV. So before becoming an MP, he was the foreign of, a foreign office diplomat, a best-selling author, an explorer, an award-winning documentary maker, a deputy governor coordinator to two Iraqi provinces, a charity founder, a CEO, and a professor at Harvard. But at the moment, he only has two open backers. So I tried to calculate the list of how many people have declared themselves for oh, you've done various some MPs. Who, who's backing Rory? Well, I haven't got the names on oh. the breakdown. Um, oh, just some numbers. But yeah, that'll work well. You need you need a minimum of two, right, in order to actually stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does. Only two people have come out so far and said Rory Stewart. And weirdly, only three for Andrew Leadsom, from okay. what I could work out, which doesn't. What's, too what's well. Leadsom's like shtick? What's she saying? Apart from being a mum, she has kept quite quiet uh, so far. There, there have been probably the three noisiest have been go Hancock. Rory oh my gosh, Stewart. Hancock with his expletive laden, was it a speech that he gave yesterday? The it, FF business. Yeah. Um, no, it's which, cool. It's cool. More, more swearing in politics. Probably have someone turn around and say F, 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 F business yeah. and we'll just end up in some A potty mouth. Forth. Yeah, back and forth. But So we, Hancock, he of the apps. Is he the one he who does the apps? apps? Yes, he, apps. He, yep. he has a slogan. So he's one of, there are three slogans. Oh. So his slogan is let's move forward. God. I mean, someone <laughs> will have been paid to have come up with that, so <laughs> I can't. Um, the other slogans, Michael Gove has ready to lead. Yeah. Did um, you read Sarah Vine in the Mail today? Do you know he, do? he won't go out to dinner? He goes everywhere, with a, he takes a book with him everywhere, including to dinner. Just you have to be... Can you imagine going to dinner and how he gets, gets out a book? Sometimes dinners can go on for a while, can't <laughs> Podcasts can go on. Like, <laughs> um, yep, so we're... The, okay, Govey. Um, and the other one is Dominic Rabb with for a fairer Britain, but he has already been roundly mocked for that embarrassing video that... Oh, well, but he does yesterday. that weird turn to the yeah. camera. I mean, what was that? I mean... It's like the yeah. beginning of a music video. I also love the, like, I'm a details-oriented person, but just didn't realise how important Calais was to know. Yeah. We do oh. have our first scandal, though. Go on. Of the... Uh, which is developing today. Oh. So our first leadership. So... <laughs> and it's in classic. So the... Dominic Rabb tweeted and included... Matt Hancock and Sajid Javid and said that they have joined him for a clean campaign pledge. What's that? Uh, fighting a clean campaign. 
is essential to unite our party. What does clean mean? It means that it was a little, it had sort of five points and it was, we're not going to be rude to one another. We're not going to bad mouth each other behind our backs. We're going to be very upfront. And okay. Fair. Um, but Steve Baker, who is again one who's claimed he might try and run, but is probably desperately trying to find yeah. two people to back him at the moment, mm. um, has said that uh, that this is this is a cheap trick that has been played because the three were signed up and that they didn't then ask any of the other candidates. So they've done it already to make them seem oh, as the front like they're the, oh, they're they're the, the three, watch. like, oh, yes, we've, we've agreed oh. to these rules. Um, and Steve Baker then later on said that he has spoken to two declared candidates who confirmed they were not asked to sign oh, this Oh, boy, it's very cliquey, cliquey, um, And something similar happened to Ledsam the last time she wasn't included in her. Oh, really? Yes. I'm just looking at this. He's put a nice little photo and it's got like the signatures of Dominic Rabb and Sajid Javid and Matt Hancock. But there, 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 are, there are free spaces for other candidates. To, uh, to join in the pledge. The candidates, they didn't ask. Mm, I think that's, yeah. Very rude, very so, rude. Yeah, but that, I think, sadly, is the level of... Where we are. I mean... They're all desperate for it. God knows why. Um, okay, so we've got... We think we've got more to come. Preeti Patel, I keep saying it, but surely she's the, hungry. Steve Baker, Graham Brady, Penny Mordant, Jesse Norman, who... Oh, that, that bloody world, 19 boring, tweet long thing. Yeah, yeah that um, was boring. And Preeti Patel are the yeah. ones... Come on. ...rumoured could... But, Hang on, we'd be we'd be approaching six. You can't have sixteen <laughs> people running in this. There aren't enough Tory MPs. There to really just, aren't. Um, I'm a bit disappointed. I feel like um, the momentum behind poor Jeremy Hunt has somewhat fallen away after his political suicide yes, comment. Well, a that was a shame. Has for the last few months has had a running bet on Hunt, which really? he's desperately trying to cash out because he feels. I thought I thought it was ruined. Jeremy Hunt's to win, and but he's, he sort of messed it up, didn't he? And, and I think now, if you're a sort of a, a softer softer Brexiteer you're going to back like Gove or something aren't you it's yeah and that's Potent. how I think Gove is shaping yeah 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 this. I think of them I mean, I mean we joked earlier about actually how not saying anything like the Lib Dems yeah, could actually work in your you favour Boris Johnson hasn't Said had a, a peep yet which is probably again in his favour because mm. what was no he, there was the Telegraph column last well, week well he's got to write that yeah, because he paid about, yeah so no, he, no, but what was it about uh Prison, people being released on dope, just yes. like law and order stuff. Yeah, no idea. And, he, and then he's being a bit like one nation, isn't he? So he's a bit, a bit he, soft. Yeah, and I think yeah. the big thing will be whether they have a He is trying to just make some of them, like Rab yesterday, look yeah. a bit silly, make themselves look silly. Yeah, they can do it themselves, can't they? Um, and yeah, whoever is advising him, I, I, if I was Johnson, I wouldn't say anything until the last. He is better when he doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um, oh, great! Well, I, you know, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, just what this country deserves, maybe. Um, uh, Joe, in in Brussels, who who are they afraid of or particularly excited about? Um, well, you, you get a real kind of to, to sit on the fence to get a mixed reaction. So I, I've been speaking to some people, and they go, "Absolutely, we'd love Boris." Because he would finally deliver the Brexit clarity that we need. It's either deal or no deal, and that's how we leave, or no deal or Britain remains. Um, Dominic Rabb will come over here with history. He's, he's Brexit secretary for a brief period and oversaw some of the negotiating. And, and people in the commission are slightly sceptical of him. They think he's maybe not as kind of as truthful as he might. He might be the one to try and stab the European Union in the back. Is while negotiating in good faith, he might then go and do something else, which is one of the kind of perceived thoughts of him here. Um, 
the other people, like the Rory Stewart people, look at him with kind of fascination. But then they just go, we don't re- we don't really know. But what is kind of the message from the European Union? And a number of leaders said it yesterday that John Claude Juncker made himself kind of the most pronounced. I mean, he gave a one-word answer um, saying there will be no renegotiation to Theresa May's deal, no matter what the leader is. So you've got leaders in London promising to come back to Brussels and renegotiate the deal. They're going to be met with a a single-word answer going, no, when they come to Brussels. So it's a, it's a real it's a real interesting kind of fascination because Theresa May's deal uh, is dead in the water. But a Conservative Prime Minister in the eyes of the EU will still have to deliver it if they want to deliver Brexit without going down the no-deal route. And uh, so we, we until... So Theresa May will come over back to Brussels in June for the June European Council Summit. But the first time European leaders as a group will face the new leader, Boris, Raab, whoever, whoever, we're going, whoever is going to take over, Will be the October summit, which is it is days before Britain potentially leaves the yeah the thirty first of October. So they will be faced with a stark choice of telling their European counterparts, "We're going without a deal. Mm. We I've managed to somehow miraculously get Theresa May's deal over the line, or please, sir, can I have another extension?" <laughs> Please, sir. Oh gosh, I think no. I think no more extensions today. Um, okay, so every, everything to play for. I think is a fair a fair summary. I was going to say we talk about the by election, but we the, we that's the sixth of June, isn't it? So we can talk about it on the next, next po- podcast. Um, so you can save all your everything you've got for next week. Um, Trump will be here. He's only bothered about meeting the royals, apparently. That'll go down very well. Um, this has been epic. Um, thank you so much, Joe, for um, giving us your time and attention. No, that's fine. It's always a podcast extension. You're always welcome. <laughs> uh, and Thomas Hunt, thank you always for your time and attention. <laughs> thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you, chaps. Thank you for listening to Brexit The Final Countdown. If you like what you heard, make sure you click subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, you could always leave us a review.